Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and we are here exploring the byways, highways, and cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history. I'm going to have to come up with a better intro than that. I've been using it too much. Anyway, the sessions that we're going to be listening to today are termed Dixieland, and that's a term that uh, is kind of being shunted aside for obvious reasons, I guess, although it's a pretty evocative term. It was music that uh, was generated from the style of the New Orleans bands, particularly the original Dixieland jazz band that was the first band to record jazz in 1917. So it's kind of hard to get rid of a, a, a term that's so ingrained in jazz history. We just have to do a disclaimer, I guess, up front. So the Dixieland music we're going to be hearing today are or is uh, performed by mostly white players, in fact, I guess exclusively white players, who were active in the New York scene in the 1940s. Several of them are New Orleans musicians, and uh, the first session we're going to hear is an entirely New Orleans band that recorded, in fact, in New Orleans. And uh, we're going to hear what uh, came to be known as, oh, I don't know, Nixieland or Condon-style Dixieland uh, groups that were playing with the Eddie Condon uh, units in the 1940s, uh, and that was a very influential group that really sort of redirected the style of music from the, the more collective improvisation of New Orleans to a more swing-era style, and that's what we're going to be hearing today. These are three sessions that are not terribly well known that we're going to be focusing on. The first two uh, were done for Keynote. In fact, the first one, I believe, was the first session released on Keynote in 1941. And these were done by George Hartman and his orchestra. George Hartman was a trumpet player from New Orleans. Uh, I don't really know anything about him. He was a band leader in the 30s and 40s. I'm not sure how late his career went or when he passed away, but uh, he was obviously a very busy uh, fellow at the time. And one of his... Uh, key uh, compatriots in his various groups was the clarinet and saxophone player Leonard Santobi, who was known as Bougie, Bougie Santobi. And uh, together they came to New York in 1944. Hartman, I don't think, stuck around, but Bougie stuck around for a couple of, well, at least a year, year and a half, and recorded with a number of groups. He recorded with Art Hodes uh, and um, several other very fine groups. He played with Eddie Condon for a while um, and uh, left a pretty interesting but very focused recorded legacy around that time. A little later, he was playing back in New Orleans with Sharky Bonanno's band and recorded for Capitol with him. So the first session we're going to hear was done in New Orleans on March 14th of 1941, and it featured, as I said, an entirely New Orleans band. George Hartman on trumpet, Julian Digger Lane on trombone, Bougie Tintobi on clarinet, uh, Ray Zim Roy Zimmerman on piano. He was one of the most widely recorded pianists of the day in this style of music. Lloyd Danton on guitar, John Bell on bass, and Johnny Castang on drums. And uh, this band uh, came into the studio. I, I think this might have been a session that was recorded for somebody else and not released, and Keynote released it, as I said, as one of their very first uh, series of recordings. We're going to start out with Digga Digga Doo, a Jimmy McHugh tune from about 1928. It was done for a Duke Ellington show, and Ellington recorded it a couple of times. Um, we will hear some very fine clarinet playing, as we will all the way through this, by the way. Toby was not probably one of the most imaginative clarinet players, but he was a very effective one and a very musical player as well. Then we're going to hear the Jazz Me Blues, which goes back to the original Dixieland Jazz Band, some of their early recordings. Then Kid Ory's Muskrat Ramble, of course, associated with Louis Armstrong's Hot Five. And then the last tune of that session will be the Tin Roof Blues from the Book of the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. And uh, that was uh, apparently a traditional New Orleans tune that they put together or, or revamped in 1922. 
Then we're going to go to a session for a keynote that was done in New York on September 27th of 1944. This was after Hartman and Centobi had come to New York to do a, an engagement. I don't know if it was with a, their New Orleans band or not, but this group featured some more New York musicians. We're going to have... Um, Hartman on trumpet and Centobi on clarinet. We're going to hear Vernon Brown on trombone. I think he was from Texas, although I think he spent time in New Orleans as well. He played with Benny Goodman's band and Harry James as well. Frank Freyba on piano. He was a New Orleans fellow, but had been in New York for most of the 1930s. Jack Lesberg on bass and George Wetling on drums. The two of them, of course, were the foundation of many, many Eddie Condon recordings for Commodore and others. And we're going to have uh, the first tune from that set, uh, finishing off our set, Hindu Stan, a uh, pop tune from the 1920s. So this is George Hartman and his orchestra featuring clarinetist Leonard Buji Sintobi.
So there we have some very interesting and uh, workmanlike Dixieland music from the 1940s. George Hartman and his orchestra uh, for Keynote Records, recording first in 1941 in New Orleans, actually. George Hartman on trumpet, Julian Digger Lane on trombone, Bougie Sintobi on clarinet, Roy Zimmerman on piano, Lloyd Danton on guitar, John Bell on bass, and Johnny Castang on drums. We heard Digga Digga Doo, featuring some especially fine clarinet, I think, Jasmine Blues, The Muskrat Ram and Tin Roof Blues, which had some good traditional-sounding trombone as well. Then we ended up with the next session by George Hartman and his orchestra for Keynote, done uh, three and a half years later, September 27th of 1944, in New York, and we heard Hindustan, which featured a slightly different band, Hartman and Santobi, along with Vernon Brown playing a very gruff tailgate trombone, Frank Fraba on piano, Jack Lesberg on bass, and George Wetling on drums. Frank Fraba, uh, I believe, came from New Orleans, and he recorded with a number of groups in the 1920s, uh, before ending up in New York in the early 30s, doing a lot of solo piano, but also becoming the first pianist in Benny Goodman's band. Uh, Goodman was never that fond of his playing, apparently, uh, but uh, he made some of the first recordings, the pre-Victor recordings of the Benny Goodman Let's Dance Orchestra. So we're going to go on and finish off that September 44 set for Keynote with that uh, band led by George Hartman on trumpet. We're going to hear... Always the Waltz by Irving Berlin here taken as a 4-4 tune, kind of an up-tempo tune as well. Uh, Shelton Brooks' Dark Tom Strutter's Ball, one of the earliest tunes, actually the earliest tune from these sessions, or this particular uh, discography of George Hartman. Then we're going to end up with Angry, which was a song that was uh, composed in part by members of the New Orleans Rhythm Kings, especially uh, George Brunis, who probably got it from parts of his family, uh, Abby Brunis and Henry Brunis. It was a very musical family that did quite a lot of playing and composing as well. And those, as I said, are George Hartman and his orchestra. Then we're going to jump over to an interesting session that I'd never heard uh, before I got the big uh, set for Mosaic Records of Black and White, the classic Black and White jazz sessions recorded for the label Black and White. We've done a couple of podcasts and radio shows devoted to music from that label, and we'll have more coming up uh, as we go. This was a label that was uh, sort of... uh, put together in the mid-40s in New York. It was uh, somewhat uh, ahead of its time label. It uh, espoused not only black and white in the sense of piano, but in the sense of mixing races and uh, integrated bands as well. And uh, Les Schreiber, Schreiber, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, who founded the label, supervised many of the sessions and uh, was a big jazz fan, especially jazz of the earlier period, the 20s and 30s. And the session which we are going to be listening to for the balance of this program was led by a pianist named Mike Lascalzo, L-O-S-C-A-L-Z-O, and Mike Lascalzo and his Dixieland Woodshedders, so-called, from February 8th of 1945. And uh, as I said, I'd never heard this session. I don't know if any of this had ever found its way onto uh, LP, uh, much less CD, but we have it now, thankfully. And other than the leader, who is pretty much unknown and doesn't do too much playing, uh, solo playing on this recording, uh, we have uh, a very well-known cast of characters, including Bougie Santobi on clarinet, who was still in New York, uh, and as I said, made some other recordings during his tenure there. We're going to hear Phil Napoleon on trumpet. He was a member of a large musical family. Marty Napoleon was a piano player, played with uh, uh, 
Louis Armstrong, Teddy Napoleon was another piano player, played with Gene Krupa, but Phil was probably the oldest and best-known member. He had led the original Memphis Five on records all through the 20s, played a lot of studio dates, was a very effective jazz player in that style as well, and does well here. At the time, he was about to start leading a band at, I think it was Nick's, uh, which made quite a few recordings. We may uh, hit a few of those as we uh, go on in our podcast future, but he uh, did always did very musical recordings. And he is joined here, in addition to St. Toby, by Brad Gowans, a valve trombone player from Billerica, Massachusetts. He was actually a multi-instrumentalist who recorded quite extensively in the mid-40s on clarinet and occasionally cornet, as well as uh, valve trombone. The valide trombone is actually the precise name. It was an instrument of his own invention, which uh, was a combination of trumpet and trombone, and had a little attachment where you could uh, imitate a slide action uh, from a regular slide trombone. We're going to hear Mike Lascalzo on piano, Chuck Wayne, who was one of the modern players of the day on guitar, Jack Lesberg on piano, and the senior member of the group, Tony Spargo, who was actually born Tony Spabaro uh, from New Orleans. He was on those first uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band recordings, playing drums. He was a charter member of that group. Here he plays drums and occasionally kazoo, which he was noted for. He played in that band at Nick's with Phil Napoleon, which was later taken over by the trumpeter Pee Wee Irwin. And uh, again, might hear some recordings from them as well. So we're going to start out a portion of the program with At the Jazz Band Ball, which uh, was a one of the first uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band recordings featuring Tony Spargo, of course. Then we're going to go on to the Tin Roof Blues, another version of that tune that was recorded and popularized by the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. Then we're going to finish up with Indiana, which was a pop song from 1917, and in fact was the first jazz recording ever made by the original Dixieland Jazz Band with Tony Spargo. It was not released initially uh, for Columbia Records. Uh, The first released jazz recordings were done for Victor, but this one came out a little bit later. So that's our somewhat long set. Uh, the Michael Scalzo recordings for Black and White were done on 12-inch rather than 10-inch records, so some of them go four minutes or so, so we get some more solos in there as well. And they were done, as I said, on February 8th of 1945. So, finishing up George Hartman, we will hear for Keynote, Always, the Darktown Strutters Ball and Angry, and then starting out with Michael Scalzo and his Dixieland Woodshedders at the Jazz Band Ball, the Tin Roof Blues, and Indiana. Thank you. 
So there we had some good straight-ahead Dixieland playing, now known more as traditional jazz, but here as done in various clubs in Greenwich Village and in uh, Manhattan as well in the 1940s. This was a, a very popular form of music at the time and uh, came to have influence on, on subsequent styles of music as well. So we started out with George Hartman and his orchestra uh, from 1940. Uh, for the fall of 1944, September 1927, recording for Keynote, we heard Always, The Darktown Strutters Ball, and Angry. And those were done, as I said, by uh, Hartman on trumpet and Bougie Toby on clarinet, both from New Orleans, joined by uh, New Orleans expatriate Frank Freba on piano, also Vernon Brown on trombone, uh, Jack Lesberg on bass, and George Wetling on drums, sort of a combination of New Orleans and Chicago music at that point. Then we went over to that session for Black and White Records, done in uh, 1945, in uh, February 8th of 1945. Mike Lascalzo and his Dixieland Woodshedders. Again, Lascalzo is not well known. In fact, he only recorded probably a couple of times. He's an effective pianist, a good band pianist. We heard him playing solo in the last tune, Indiana, getting some good innings on that. He got a little bit on the first tune from that session at the Jazz Band Ball as well. And in between those two, we heard the Tin Roof Blues, another recording of that tune that we heard George Hartman do a little earlier. And that one in particular featured Brad Gowans on valve trombone, who had a beautiful sound and a really organized concept of music. As I said, he was a multi-instrumentalist from the Boston area. He'd recorded uh, under his own name and also with Pearly Breed and the Shepherd's Colonial uh, Orchestra in the 1920s in Boston and in New York. He was very influenced by Larry Shields, the clarinet player for the original Dixieland Jazz Band. And uh, he played very effective clarinet on some original Dixieland Jazz Band recreations in the 1940s, we may hear at some other point. We also heard Phil Napoleon on trumpet. Uh, no real solos, just playing lead, although he's going to solo a bit in the next set. Uh, Mike Lascalzo, as I mentioned on piano. Chuck Wayne taking some very good guitar solos. He was influenced by Charlie Christian, and uh, in terms of his musical outlook, was probably the most modern of the players on this session. Jack Lesberg on bass and Tony Spargo on drums, and playing an occasional kazoo chorus. Uh, kind of an interesting tonal uh, change from the other instruments. As I said, he was featured on that with Napoleon's band at Nick's and some different clubs in the late 40s and into the 50s uh, when it was taken over by Pee Wee Irwin. And he was a, an active drummer, Tony Spargo was, all the way up into the 1960s when he passed away. So we're going to continue and to play the balance of that black and white session. That was a very fertile session. As I said, they were doing recordings for 12-inch uh, discs rather than the typical 10-inch uh, records. So these could hold more music and be a little bit longer. So our show's going to go a little longer than usual today. We're going to play uh, the remaining five tunes from that session. The Royal Garden Blues, which goes back to the original Dixieland Jazz Band. I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate, the tune credited to Clarence Williams and Armand Perone that Louis Armstrong always said they stole from him. That's a Plenty, which was originally done by the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. Someday Sweetheart, which is sometimes credited to Jelly Roll Morton, was a fairly popular song in the early 1920s. And ending up with another version of the Muskrat Ramble, the Kid Ory tune done for Louis Armstrong. So this is Mike Lascalzo and his Dixieland Woodshedders. Royal Garden Blues, Sister Kate, That's a Plenty, Someday Sweetheart, and the Muskrat Ramble. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
So that was some good New York Dixieland via New Orleans in the mid-1940s. All of those tunes on that last set were by Michael Scalzo's Dixieland Woodshedders, recording in 1945 for Black and White. We heard the Royal Garden Blues, I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate, which featured some really excellent um, uh, Phil Napoleon trumpet playing on there. That's a plenty. Someday Sweetheart, which featured excellent clarinet and valve trombone, and the Muskrat Ramble. So thank you very much for joining us. This was a kind of unusual show in the sense that we played three full sessions and had some long tunes in there, but some really good playing by similar groups, all featuring Leonard Santobi, Bougie Santobi on clarinet. And uh, where else would you hear this but at the Jazz Focus? My name is John Clark, and happy to bring this program to you. If you'd like to be a member of our family, uh, Please hit one of those little buttons wherever it may be on your browser about sponsoring us. We do monthly sponsorships as well as one-time sponsorships and uh, love to get your feedback as well. Check me out on Facebook and Instagram. My band name is Wolverine Jazz Band. Also, WolverineJazzBand.net. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you very much, and I'll see you on the other side.